Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Ify Waddy Way, and sitting across from me is Danny Fernandez. Very hurt. Uh, I missed my first episode last episode. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, I, I was. Oh my gosh, you don't know how hard I tried to fight to be there. But like literally, <laughs> I sat down, and he was like, "We're staying late." <laughs> I was like, "But I gotta, I gotta, gotta do my thing." You missed it. Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah, hey, it'd it be like that sometimes. It's true. Um, but I mean, kind of why I missed it, funny enough, is kind of what we'll be talking about today. Oh, yeah. And although I told people you missed it because it was your birthday. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I'm in a writer's room. I was in a writer's room. I this is my first week off and I don't even know what to do with myself. But I was in a writer's room for six weeks for a interactive platform called Echo. You may know uh you may remember it from a web series that came out last year called That Moment When that won a Webby with Milana Vine Uh and so we're work, we're cooking up a new series. Uh, you know, and I think that's about all I can say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's it was super fun. It was it was very interesting. It was a whole new way to write. You know, I've written for late night, uh, written for uh, narrative at this point, and now this it, like you know, because before this I did a lot of late night semi edutainment, uh, kind of like uh, unscripted stuff. And this was the year of lots of new venture- ventures. Uh, I wrote for an animated narrative show and then this was an interactive one so it was like back-to-back new experiences yeah uh but the reason i say that's it's it, it kind of has to do with today's episode is because you know the today's episode is how we kind of got to where we are today and and you know that i think we'll touch on everything from like being nerdy hosts uh to being you know 
comedians for some people who may be interested and to TV writing and development and all that stuff, you know, uh, and before we even dive into it, one thing I want to say, which is something I think a lot of times uh, never gets to get said because of the conversational nature of a lot of podcasts when talking about this subject matter is there is no one path. There is no wrong path. There is no right path. You know, the, the, everyone's path is different and you can't expect yourself to beat for beat, do the same thing and expect the same things to happen because really trying to go down this industry is 90% pepper preparation, preparation, what's that? <laughs> 90% preparation and 10% uh, seizing the opportunity, uh, AKA luck. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. There's, I would say, I mean, luck, luck and knowing Knowing like, people. I mean, I was just oh, sorry. I didn't mean to catch no, you. No, I was gonna say. Um, Ooh, I'm feeling very lovey today. I think 31 is like my 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 love. Really, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, I don't. Yeah, not everyone is gonna have the same trajectory. I think too. Like y'all have gotten to know us pretty well, but we, Ify and I, really haven't had a chance to really talk about how we came to be in our lives yeah. and like the the people behind these voices that you listen to. And I think it's really easy to look at our lives and say and think that we have it super easy and that we just fell into this. <laughs> That's what it looks like. We just offered a show and offered this and you see us at premieres and stuff. And I think we touched on it briefly in the Women in Gaming one where I talked about how Janelle and I were in the trenches. I mean, we talked about how I lived in like a, a windowless bedroom uh, before that I was living with two girls in a one bedroom apartment with their dog. I mean, when you move to Hollywood, you are you are in the trenches unless you have your parents or something paying for your stuff, which we didn't have that luxury. We worked our way up. And so I think it's really hard for people to remember that when they only see our highlights. But something that we get off we get asked often is like how can i start a podcast how can i start do this how can i do that um we started from the bottom like we started with zero followers both on our social media with like we started at zero as well so yeah today's episode is just going to be us talking about how we got here um if you're not interested at all hopefully it's just a, a fascinating thing to listen to our story well, it's an origin story <laughs> yeah, you can listen yeah. to our superhero origin story yeah, yeah. for once. <laughs> for, for the people who are interested in going down this path, this is will be hopefully a great instructional and informative episode. And for the people who are just interested in us, this will be a great origin yeah. story. Uh, so let's let's you know let's start all Wait, the way. Wait, Ify, can I start? Um, oh, I, yeah, can course. I start my segment? So I uh, <laughs> wanted to start a segment on this podcast. We get tweeted at at Nerdificent, you know, and when people are polite about it, I love. We want to make sure that you know that your voice is heard. So I want to start a new segment every week called Could You Please Include? So CYPI is what I'm calling it. <laughs> Could you? So tweet at us. Um, so we covered Captain Marvel last week. And at DeadRecca actually wrote us and said, Phylavel's partner, Moondragon, is Drax's daughter. So they were one of the few lesbian couples in Marvel um, they also said in Avengers 200, which was in 1980, it was a huge turning point for Carol and women in comics. And it was a huge problematic thing that the next 20 plus years of Carol's comics would be built around. So um, we didn't mention those two things in the uh, in our episode. So we're going to include it. So if we miss something that's super huge, again, like what I like 
what I like to give an example of is when we did Twilight Zone, which is like my, y'all know it's my personal favorite like <laughs> show. And we can't cover all the episodes. So if you're like, you missed this. Yeah, I know. I love it too. We There's entire podcasts on Twilight Zone. There's no way we could have touched on it. But if we miss something that is extremely integral, it's extremely important to that lore, that franchise, like maybe, I don't know, they had to go to Congress to get the rights for such and such. And that's how it spinned into this and that. Like, those are the things that I'm okay with people being like, hey, could you please include this so that was could you please include mm-hmm. iffy back to you yeah 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 so let's go back <laughs> way back uh where did you grow up danny oh i grew up kind of all over my family's from san diego i spent some time in orange county and then i moved to texas when i was like 13 i lived in dallas for high school and college i went to austin uh, i went to ut in austin so off rip, you were right next to Funimation. Off rip, your body has oh. guided you <laughs> right next to Funimation Core. But you, uh, what's interesting for you, uh, that was different for me, is you kind of like got your feet on the ground and nerdy stuff early. You were going to conventions, meeting your favorite voice actors yeah. at a young age. You're, yeah, I remember you were telling me that, and you were going to like Comic Con, right? Yeah, I was going to Comic Con when I was like ten or eleven. Um, And the thing about me and what I do now is I always wanted to be a writer. When I was little, I used to write poems and short stories and perform them for my family. (laughs) I was published in like one of those teen magazines when I was in high school. I think I was like two different ones for writing poems. And then when I got accepted to UT, it was in the journalism program. I ended up switching that, but I always wanted to be a writer. So that was kind of how I got my start at least and what really kind of shaped my uh helped my career I would say is in well actually in 2008 I started my I started a Twitter account and I would make fun of my professors like I wouldn't actually say who it was but I would kind of just make fun of the different types of professors I had and I gained a small following from that from from like other college kids retweeting me And my boyfriend at the time was so jealous. He hated the fact that I was on Twitter and I completely deleted my Twitter, which is something I wouldn't do now. Completely deleted it and did not sign up for a new account until 2012. And in 2012, this is going to come full circle. In 2012, I signed up for my Twitter account, the new one that I have now that y'all follow now, because I wanted to follow DBZ updates from Funimation. (laughs) Wow. That's how it went back. And that was all I really used it for. And then I fell again into comedy and I was tweeting jokes and I was I was going through I have I deal with chronic depression, which I'm I'm really open about. And I was I was dealing with that. I was going through a separation with my husband. I married I ended up marrying the guy that hated me. Wow. Spent, yep. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense. Uh-huh. From top to bottom. And I uh I would use Twitter as an outlet to write really dark jokes about my life because I needed to. And so I had a lot of comedians that started following me and they would be like, have you tried doing some of these jokes on stage? Um, And at the time I was not considering comedy at all. But just from tweeting about the trauma (laughs) of my life in in a funny manner, I was living in Denver at the time. We got married. I moved there. Um, I was working a couple of different jobs. We moved for his his job. 
So um, I gave up my career in life, essentially, and um, and used Twitter as an outlet and ended up getting a lot of people following me. So before I ever moved to L.A., I had about 16,000 followers that I got in like a year. Wow. Just from tweeting about my depression um, and other people that related that would retweet it. So that was a part of my my story. Um, I met a couple of comics at Denver Comedy Works when I was in when I was in uh, Denver, and one of them was Roy Wood Jr., who followed me, and I was so honored. And I remember him saying, "Funny is funny," and it's so funny because he's one of my biggest mentors now. He's just such a great guy. Roy Wood Jr. is at. Uh, He's on The Daily Show. He has like two shows on Comedy Central, a very respected comedian. But um, that was kind of what kickstarted my career. And so I want to say I did have a writing background. I didn't just have Twitter. Um, You still have to have scripts and, you know, you still have to be able to perform like you have to have all of that. There are a lot of people that got big on Twitter and then they try to do (laughs) those other things and kind of fall flat. Um, so I did always have a writing background, but I used Twitter as an outlet to build a following. So I do want people to know before I, I think people think that I got my following from being on camera or from podcasting. And nope, it was just from tweeting jokes every single day, <laughs> um, which is funny because I ended up writing a pilot about um, life after my suicide attempt. So I this is a trigger warning. Um, I'm been pretty open on other podcasts. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on this podcast, but I had a suicide attempt in my 20s. I wrote a half-hour dark comedy about that that got me all my reps. Um, I was able to put my trauma, I guess, into my writing, and comedy was an outlet. I don't like saying comedy is therapy because therapy is therapy. <laughs> I've done both. <laughs> therapy is therapy. Oh, yeah. Um, but... I was able to develop a following just from other people who could who needed to laugh about the things that were happening in their life. So that is part of my story of how I got here. If he is part of my story on so many ways, but one of the ways is that he gave my pilot to his agents and they signed me. And another comedian who read my pilot gave it to his manager and she signed me. So um that's also why it's super important to me when people say like, oh, you're not allowed to joke about this. Or you're not allowed to joke about that. I literally got some of my jobs from joking about the trauma of my life. Yeah. No, it, it, it is funny. I, I'll save this rant for the tail end of this. But there is just this new trend of like people being mad that you don't cope or you're not woke in the same way that they are woke in that you do different things than them. They're like, no, this is the one way and there is no one way to cope or be an activist. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's so interesting listening to your story because it seems so there like there's such a through line to yours like yeah. you're so like it doesn't type feel like that, feel i know like in wait the did moment, you say my type a yes yeah oh. really fl- follows through because you knew what you wanted to do and you planned for it i'm just 
just so scattered brain like everyone someone repeated this to me this is something that since i started comedy has been said and someone repeated this to me last week that it was like as soon as you can afford uh, can afford an assistant you need to get one cuz i am i really am the most scatterbrained aloof wanderlusty like i am the most piscine pisces ever where Wait, it's but just you like said- head in the clouds you said on our when we talked about all that that when you saw Keenan and Kel, you oh, knew yeah. you wanted to be a performer. Oh yeah. So you knew early on that you yeah, wanted to so perform. That is true. So we'll 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 uh, you'll see how it kind of went, and you'll see I kind of had nudges into my wildness. So yeah, I as a child I've always wanted to be an actor. As soon as I saw all that and shows like that, I I knew. I my the earliest thing I remember trying to do a quote unquote performance I can think of is when uh, it, I think if if we want to go super crazy the earliest memory I have is uh, when I was like I had to be a toddler this is a very early memory so I do not remember what it. how do you remember when you were a toddler because it was su- <laughs> it stuck out to me I it was the first time I like tried hot sauce and I okay. accidentally had hot sauce and my mouth was burning and I took like a towel and I'm wiping my tongue with it and my dad had guests over and everybody was laughing and I got something from that where I was like oh <laughs> this the, the everyone's like enjoying themselves even though like I was kind of hurt and I feel like that that could have went two ways like I could have been a stevo you know since it oh, was yeah. like a pain but it was like you know just spiciness so that was like my earliest memory where I was like oh I like to make people laugh and then from then I would watch you know uh it was so funny. It took me so long to even consider stand-up because I always thought that it was uh, – they they just totally just memorized that whole thing and would and, and just did it once. Like I didn't realize that it was – you know, mm-hmm. you just go and do multiple sets. So like – and my memory's always been bad. So I was like there's no way I can remember an hour of stuff. Uh, Smash cut to two years ago when I came out with an hour album. But – so I always wanted to do it, but my dad, you know, he's a he's an immigrant from Nigeria, and I was talking about this earlier today on stream about the because you know uh, Kylie Jenner just got uh, as of today Kylie Jenner just got this self made billionaire, and then there was this whole and then we had a discussion about like one she isn't self made, but then I was like, but no billionaire was self made because I was gonna say like the only self made one I could think of is like and Elon Musk or Bezos, but there was a lot of collaboration that happened in their life to happen that. And then someone who on the stream was pointing out that even then Elon Musk's parents were well off. And I was like, well, yes, when you come from a wealthy background, uh, lots of times your parents are more willing for you to try like future forward stuff to try experimental things that you don't know pan out. When you come from a poor background, your family wants you to pick a trade or something that has like a guaranteed way to make money. Uh, so, so take that into my father who comes from Nigeria and my mother who comes from, you know, Louisiana, the South, and she grew up, you know, poor as well. They, you know, the idea of chasing an art, they weren't against it. My mom was more forward being, you know, American and understanding of the arts, but my dad, he had no concept of that. But because of that also, they didn't know what to do with it, this artistic daydreamer child. They didn't know like, Oh, throw him in drama and then he can figure it out. So all my life I've, I wanted to be an actor, but I never truly pursued it. And then I also really liked uh, drawing comics. 
I, used, I love drawing comics, and that's kind of where, and I remember, I'll never forget this, because this was the most blunt truth I've ever heard in my life. I drew this comic, and it was like probably four or five pages, and I handed it to my friend Gabriel. I still remember his name. And he like reads it, and he was like, he was like yeah. He's like, I don't think you're a great artist, but you'd be an amazing writer. <laughs> like, this is another, like, this was ninth grade, and I was like, wow, way to be a douche. <laughs> But he kind of was right. Like that, that w- I was able to kind of formulate these dope stories. And so I, nerdy stuff just kind of was, was rough because my dad wanted me to focus on schooling so much. So, like, cons and stuff, like, I never got to touch it. I went to Catholic school, so Dungeons and Dragons was especially out of the picture because that was on that weird list. Like, my school had that list of, like, these are the devil stuff. Mm-hmm. We weren't it. K Rock was on that list for some Harry reason. Harry Potter. Uh, yeah. Well, Harry Potter, we were able to do, but it wasn't like Dungeons and Dragons it still had that weird connotation because it really, the demonization of it really came from the 90s. And before y'all ask, we are planning the Dungeons and Dragons episode. I already talked to Matt Mercer. He's in. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when they're, they're doing. You know, they got that whole anime. Wait, who's Matt Mercer? He is the no, DM. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Everyone's like, huh? Uh, so I really didn't get, take strides in my nerddom and necessarily in my chasing my dreams of, you know, performing and all that until like senior year of uh high school like in high school i started to get in stride with that because with the internet i was on this site called polycarbon bbs and that i would do art uh and they had this thing this thing called fight clubs where everyone would design a character and then it would be a collaborative comic that you would make and everyone writes draws one page of the comic and i did a few of those i wish i can like go back and find them but i did a few of those and that kind of you know, while I was trying to pursue art, but I was just so bad at it, it was actually helping my writer brain kind of formulate stuff. But then um, I really hit my stride in senior year when I joined Comedy Sports High School League, which Comedy Sports, if you don't know, it's it's essentially whose line is it anyway? It's a family-friendly, competitive, quote-unquote, improv uh, show. And they had a high school league where you, you would do these shows at other high schools. And you would know that the homeschool always won because, you know, you win based on cheers. So that's when I started doing improv, senior year of high school. I felt so <laughs> behind. And that's when I did my first play. I was in As You Like It. I played Duke, Duke Senior. And that's when I was like, oh, yes, this is what I want to do. And I'm actually doing it. Graduate. And I go to community college and I just totally just, you know, fart off for at least a good two, three years. You know, when when you have this kind of like strict upbringing, the, the first taste of freedom, you just go wild. And that that's and that's the moral of that story. And but I eventually found myself on Cherry Spitz, which was a Orange County based improv team that performed in uh, Fullerton. And sometimes we perform in Long Beach. And then it wasn't until my buddy Matt, Matt Apodaca, who I met in high school, who he was a freshman when I was a senior, and now we do candy dinner together. Uh, he That's your podcast. Yeah. Your other podcast. My other podcast. <laughs> uh, he sh- showed me the Donald Glover episode of WTF, and Donald Glover was saying, he was like, oh, there's no, not that many black people doing improv at UCB, and he's naming UCB people, but me not hearing my name, I was like, oh, that's where I need to be. So then after that, that's when everything changed. Because also, like, being with Cherry Spitz, they were the ones who kind of 
took uh, Lars, who uh, who Lars, who I was his teacher's assistant in uh, high. I, in senior year, I was his teacher's assistant. When I graduated, he invited me to do Cherry Spitz. He also was the put me in my first D and D game, and he really helped do that. He kind of introduced me to Comic Con, and I went down to Comic Con, and that's when my nerd stuff just it was kicked in a high gear. But I've always been a huge video game nerd because that's the one thing I've been able to play because my dad would let me. So now I'm performing, I'm at UCB, and eventually I meet the guys who we eventually become white women. And through that, uh, I, I through just performing and doing stuff, I meet uh, this guy we're, for All Deaf Digital, which is, uh, you know, deaf comedy's kind of a web platform. I meet this guy named Zach Eubank, and he, uh, and he uh, we did like this video kind of basically pointing out the racism in the like red skin name and how like, you know, it, I forgot what it was, but it was kind of like when the NBA was making this push to talk about domestic violence. And then it was like, oh, it was it was kind of like, oh, what about this thing in, in retrospect, which could have been a much more salient point. Uh, but it was a it was a fun video. And basically from that, he used to have these brunches. He'd have a monthly brunch where he'd invite all these creatives to come and meet each other. And it, it was cool things like photography. There was a couple uh, who did photography who was just taking free headshots of people. And then we were, you know, then you had like, it was just a huge collapse space. But when I went to his uh, place and at the time him and uh, Becca were living like on the east side and they had this big house and Zach just had all these comic books. And so I just was like, oh, you're a nerd? And we just like gush about nerd stuff. So then uh, I, I, while all this in this short period of me being in LA pursuing UCB and comedy, I worked for a social media marketing company. And that's kind of how I started to get my, uh, my following. See, I, I got my Twitter following at first through straight up social media marketing. And there was tools that we would use for his clients that, you know, he also allowed us to use for our accounts and that's kind of uh, how I started building it up. And, and it wasn't like bots or anything. It was like, he had a, I'm, I don't want to lay it out because I don't, you know, I don't know if it's public knowledge or anything, but he, he, he basically knew the, it was almost like a mix of tech and psychology on how you would get more real followers and real people who are interacting with you. Um, and so I used that same system and then I got a decent amount. Like I, that's when I've gotten to the thousands, you know, and, uh, but th that company ended up launching social Tron live, which was a Twitch channel with Greg Grunberg from heroes. And it originally was like he, Greg Grunberg would come on, bring some of his other famous friends and they played video games. And then we were like the other host when it wasn't them. And I, and my buddy Los Carlos, he was like, yeah, if you have any friends, you can bring them around to hang out. And so the first person in my mind was Zach and Zach gets in there and, you know, uh, he has a production company called Aren't We Clever? And he just immediately was like, oh, you guys can be doing this better and this better and this better and this better. So then they bring him and Lucas on and Zach kind of revamps with Los and the team their whole Twitch streaming setup. And then that kind of uh, peters out. And then Zach gets hired by Geek and Sundry because they were working on another project. And then they started talking Twitch. Now Zach knows all about it. And then that basically is how Geek and Sundry started. 
Uh, I remember being walked through legendary offices. There was no, there was no set yet. There was no anything. Zach was just showing me around. He's like, yeah, and we're going to be doing this D and D show with these voice actors, which eventually turned out to be critical role. He's like, and I was thinking you Becca Hecker, Hector and uh, Stephanie Woodburn will be the host. And we were the four original hosts. And then a few, few weeks from that, it launched with us and Felicia Day doing a huge uh, fundraiser for, uh, I don't know if it was Extra Life or if it was another organization. And I had Mulligan, which was my Magic the Gathering show. And that was kind of my first dip into nerd hosting because now I had these shows under my belt. I didn't know that we were doing our entire life story. Well, <laughs> well, I'm uh, kidding. Uh, yours was so, was so like, no, cool and direct. So... And I was like, I, I, if I just do the truncated version people's like how did iffy end up there oh that was mine was definitely i've done so many things to get here but we have we have to take a quick break we're going to when we get back get into how we started our first ever podcast together and how you can do that too yeah see you in a second right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. How you doing? How was those messages? Hopefully they were tight. Uh, you know, before we talk about Krillinin, we have to talk about I wonder, there's one thing that I want to point out and just, uh, not necessarily, yeah, I guess point out and highlight one thing because it does seem like, it, it does seem like all nerd hosts are just nerdy and then became hosts, but really it's essentially that we were performers first. Yes. And then, because that's, that because, you know, I've had people hit me up where it's like, I want to, you know, know how to do what you do because it seems like you just do whatever you want. And it's like, no, it's just having 
interest in hobbies outside of just your work and then when something touches on that it just kind of uh it just kind of focuses that like you know for example like i did an adidas you know uh comedy sketch video for the adidas channel to promote their um sound labs and that 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 was i wasn't approached as a sneakerhead i was pr- approached as a comedian and since i happen to be a sneakerhead it really w- it drove home the reason they should have went with me i think it's yeah i would agree iffy and i definitely agree on this because we've talked about it when people hit us up and and are like i want to host like you or i want to be a host i want to host it um i'm like well the difference between us is that's not iffy and i's goal necessarily like we're hired for our personalities at all of our channels and what i mean is like we're unwilling to change how we are. Yeah. Um, truly, if I can't speak my mind, I don't care about your channel. I, I'm, and it's helped me. And there are hosts who have to, there are hosts who can't be personalities necessarily. They have to be kind of like regurgitate the news. They're not, I think of like some, if I had stayed in journalism, that's what I see yeah. sometimes. Like my friends that are anchors that went on to be like anchors on the nightly news or whatever. Like they have to be kind of un unbiased. Like they can, they can never on their social media post a type of jokes I'm posting like st- stuff like that. They can't uh, post thirst traps like Iffy and I do. So I think we are performers first. And I think that's why we get hired though is for our personalities is because we're not just, that's another reason why there was kind of this growing pains when we started this podcast of people like just wanting so much um, facts and we refused to do that. If you want that type of podcast, that's a different type. We already knew what we wanted. We wanted our personalities. We wanted to talk to our funny friends. We didn't want this to be a boring informational podcast because those already exist. There are tons of nerd podcasts like that. I mean, if I can just be just straight up blunt and informational about what happened is how stuff works is a amazing network that, that had primarily just, unbiased just clear you know information for the people without any sway and then how stuff works comedy comes and it's full with it's filled with all these shows that are typically left-leaning and and just have strong voices and have a bias because they are less about the information at hand and more about the personalities and the biggest bamboozle of all was nerdificent because we share a format that's similar to (laughs) classic how stuff works shows so if you were coming from that how stuff works side you were expecting a show that was just information about nerddom and not a show that is nerddom how it touches on us and i think this we did indeed make clear that is a entry point for people who are new to it i i i I, you know we've I've kind of stepped back mostly because I just have a thing where I don't like repeating myself. But, you know, as much as we repeat that this is a show for everyone, there still is that nerd who's like, you didn't go into the deep etches of the the history and show me something I didn't know. And it's like, well, that's not what we're about. You you listen to this podcast to hear how people relate to it and why. I think this podcast isn't the information about a uh a certain nerd topic. I think it's the information about why it's so important to some people. And I think that's the best way to describe this and why we have guests who are so passionate about certain things. Uh, we should talk about how we met and oh, how yeah, we that's, started that's what our I was gonna say. podcast. You, you cut me off when I started that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we both were in the nerd world. Danny was like, 
crushing stand up way harder uh, than than I was. Which is funny because I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but she came from like the roast battle level. I was big on improv. Me doing stuff with white women. We're doing sketch improv. Obviously, as a nerd, and this this once again touches on the thing we were lightly touching about, about being performer first, but uh, highlight. I knew about Tournament of Nerds maybe two years before I actually got involved with them, uh, which was I was still kind of like an improv baby taking classes, and someone had a Tournament of Nerds sticker. I didn't know what the show was, but just on the title alone, I was like, I need to do that show. And uh, and and this is, the, once again, we're, we're telling you stuff we did that are oftentimes things you shouldn't do, <laughs> but like... I, um, I like, and they, and my buddy was like, oh, well, Hal Rudnick hits, uh, runs it, so you should do it. So I just messaged Hal Rudnick. I've never seen the show before. The, the, my friend explained it to me, though. I didn't, like, wasn't completely blind. They just were like, oh, it's a nerd debate. But I never seen the show before. And I was like, hey, I'd love to, I'm a huge nerd, and I'd love to do ner- uh, Tournament of Nerds. And he was like, okay. And then two years later, he asked me if I wanted to do my first show. But it's what's. But if you ever want to do for any like stand up or performers, if you ever want to do a show, please go, go to the show. It. The show, yeah. show that you're interest. You're, you you'll show up and support it before asking to be on it. That's the number. That's I promise you. You know, sometimes people will put you on the shows without being there, but I promise you'll get on the show faster if you just show up and ask in person. Uh, but yeah, I went in there and I and uh, but I crushed my first wait, appearance. Wait, wait, so Tournament of Nerds is a, it's essentially a, oh, a, yeah. a debate a show between, you pick like fictional, I mean, sometimes they'll have um, Yeah, I'm gonna real... pull it back because everyone says, because uh, I mean, by definition, by everything, it is a technically a debate show, but like, <laughs> debates, debates get steamrolled by character bits. <laughs> it's, um, you basically bad. are roast battling another character. You pick a character and you're ro- and you don't know who you're going to go up against. So I was Carmen San Diego and I was battling Harley Quinn, somebody yeah. playing Harley Quinn and we just roasted each other. Um, and so that's essentially the show. And that's where Iffy and I, Met. It's a show. It's a monthly show yeah. at, at Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah, it's it's at Franklin. It's at midnight. It usually goes till two. Uh, uh, you know, it's a real. It's genuinely a fun show. Just like Dane says, it's a it's a tournament. Um, there's usually. It starts with uh, six rounds. Uh, no, no, six or four rounds. And it's just a nerd to. But lots of times it's a lot of character bits. And sometimes people will come. And and write well thought out amazing jokes and lose to someone doing like a, per, uh, a, a impression. I mean, if yeah, that happened. I mean, that's how I want. Like my wins, my belt wins. I was the. Uh, it was funny. It was I was the first player in Contra, which he had a name and someone pointed out. But my character bit still. And my second win, I was. Uh, oh my gosh, who was I? Oh. I, f- I forget, but it was another bit that I did not expect to win by. Like all the b- the only time I win is when I do a dumb character, and it's like let's see how 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 long I can make this this dumb thing go, and it usually goes all the way. But Ify and I added each other. I remember we were friends on Facebook, and we were both like one of the two comedians that would constantly post DBZ jokes and memes. Yeah, and so he 
hit me up and was like, do you want to do a, dra- a DBZ podcast? And I was thinking like, if I was going to start a podcast, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wrote him jokingly and asked if he wanted to call it Krill in it. And he said yes. And yeah. I was like, I was joking, but that's what we called it. And we bought a snow globe mic. Yeah. And we did it in my bedroom. Yeah. So I don't well, want to well, hear from anyone. We Well, before the bedroom, we had that dope uh, community room before you moved. Oh, was it? Was, was I yeah, in a community the, room? We had, I, wasn't did it we? a community? I think we had a community a guest room. room. Yeah, like a guest room or something we had. And then you then you moved. Maybe, yeah. And then, and then, we, then we had to do that. I mean, bedroom. we were literally having our friends in my... In my bed, like in my spare bedroom. Ooh, I'm about to, I'm about to bring up. Uh, I'm about to. Are you ready to go down memory lane? I'm, we, I'm just going to read it, so we might cut it. <laughs> but this was November fifth. Oh my gosh. 2015. How cute. The first message you sent me on Facebook, which was, I remember I felt kind of crappy after losing my first round in uh, the first tournament of nerds, and you came over to me and said good job, and that I was part of the family now, which was true. Uh, that Thank you for that. It seriously meant a ton. Congrats and best of luck on your journey at Comedy Central. They are literally the best. And I said, thanks so much. Get back in that ring, too. I was serious. You're hilarious. And you said, thanks. And I said, whoop. We didn't talk again. Till January 22nd, 2016, where I said, let's do a DBZ podcast. We rewatched the series from episode one and talk about it. And you said, I'm so down. I replied with five K's and an exclamation point. And I said, cool, K-E-W-L. Oh, I remember you would still do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see if I can get some recording equi- equipment. When are you free? And you said, I might, you're, this confirmed itself right here. It's like, I might have some equipment. I have a studio-ish room. So it was in your room from the jump. It was not. And you're like, I think I have a mic or two. Danny had one mic. Let's, yeah. So we, we I think that we use Podbean, which is a um, a podcast thing that you can you can upload your podcast to. We used Audacity, which mm-hmm. is a software that you can get, I believe, for free, and you can edit podcasts. And that is where we started. We built a fall. We literally, again, had nothing. We got a snow globe mic. We we uh, b- brought our friends over. And this brings me to something that a couple of points I want to make if you're trying to start a podcast or you're trying to start you know, hosting or whatever – Biggest thing, consistency. When you start your podcast, you're going to start to get listeners. If you're posting about it and your friends are listening to it, or let's say you're in a, let's say it is a Twilight Zone podcast, um, and you post it in a Twilight Zone forum or a Twilight Zone Facebook group. Hey, I started a Twilight Zone podcast. And if people start listening and you're not putting out episodes every week or whenever, and you're just kind of like, yeah, I'll do it this week. And then work catches up with you. People are going to drop off. You need to be consistent. That is one of the biggest things I would say is that if Ify and I missed a week, people would be like, what's going on? Where's yeah. the podcast? <laughs> uh, and we were just, we just, we didn't have, we weren't at a, we weren't, you know, now we're at HowStuffWorks slash iHeartRadio. We have bosses that are like, you have to be here. Yeah. But at the time we had nobody. We didn't have sponsors. We didn't have anyone we had to answer to. So we weren't consistent. So that is the biggest thing I would say is consistency. Um, and then people are like, well, I can't get big guests like you guys. We interviewed our friends. Your friends can be the best to interview because they're passionate. You just want someone interesting. If your funny friend that is super into, I don't know, William Shatner or whatever can like recite a bunch of those 
facts and knows about Twilight. Again, I'm just going to go back to the Twilight Zone reference. Bring them on. People want to hear passionate people. We've had guests on that don't have huge followings on this podcast. And they're they're great to listen to because they're passionate about it. So no, you don't have to have the director or the showrunner of whatever. It's just that Ify and I have now been doing this for several years that we've made friends and, you know, we're writers and performers that we've now worked with these people. So now they're our friends. But we started with just our friends on our show. Yeah, I do want to talk about that real quick, too, because there is the instinct to. And it's so funny because it feels like such a weird thing to say. But as I've seen it, it just happens. There's a instinct to like reach up and see, you know, people who are further along in their career or path than you to get them on your show. And I'm not saying definitely don't try, but don't let that be your only your only path. Like reach out to people who are, you know, in the trenches with you because, uh, you know, we who was I saying this? I think I was talking to a buddy of my it was on the show, uh, one of the writers on the show with me. And we both, you know, we're reminiscing because we both started at UCB at the same time. And now we're writing a show together. And it and it is crazy to think, you know, back in the day, I looked up at all these, you know, people at UCB who were performing and further along to me. And it was like so cool that they were all friends and Aubrey Plaza and all them were UCB people. And now they're on Parks and Recs. And then you look now and as we are further in the career, all our friends who kind of have been in the community are also moving ahead, too. And you have to remember that that uh, rising tide raises all ships. Mm-hmm. If you, if everyone if you surround yourself with people who are grinding, who are at it, and just in the motion of trying to get it, all all of y'all never be jealous of someone's success. Because if you if if your friend if you, like your friend like you actually are are messing with them and y'all are all grinding, they're not going to forget you because they got success. It never and never never expect that. Don't don't. Don't wait for someone to get on and give you a hand up. Like just mm-hmm. to, just grind together because that that those opportunities will come. Those those like hands up will come. But just focus on your grind, and I promise you, before you notice, you, opportunities are going to be coming from your peers as y'all all kind of rise up. It's it's it is just. I mean, it it just seems like a dope dream to have like the person who's like killing it now kind of give you an opportunity that just shoot your career up but honestly it's never gonna be like this one thing I, I forgot what podcast or tv show interview I heard but there's a there's this idea of like this one thing that's gonna change your career or change your life and it's never that the one thing that it seems like is uh is actually putting all the work in the shadow like you may think that you know Winston du- Duke after Black Panther, that that role got him so much, but he was doing so many small roles, audition, classes, mm-hmm. training, all before that. But that's the one role that kind of made him recognized by everything. The best the best example is Timothy Chalamet. You know, after um, Call Me by Your Name, it just seemed like he shot into the stratosphere. Even to me, who's someone who kind of you know, uh, like I did a short film with him called spinners and that's when we first met and it was interesting watching him because i you know knowing him before he was the timothy chalamet this this dude was grinding he was doing so many films that you probably haven't even seen that probably didn't make it out anywhere and then it was just the one that did 
that now it seems like, oh, it just takes one. But it's it really does take a lot of grinding. And don't don't get discouraged. Honestly, like when you hear things like, oh, man, like the big saying, which uh, the math kind of on average does kind of work out, is that it takes five years uh, from being in L.A. to like really feel your stride anywhere. Sometimes it takes longer. Don't ever use a rule as hard and fast, but that on average, about five years, a lot of people start to f- see something. It doesn't, and something can range from a they're f- booking your first commercial to booking your first series regular to maybe even for some folks, even being like in a movie. You I want to say though, you don't have to live here to pursue a creative life. It just depends on what you want to do. I do yeah. know people who have written me and they were like, am I too old nope. to get into writing? And no, it's tr- like, there's so many, there's so many freelance like opportunities that, that there are out there to write for different sites. Yeah. Um, I, if you're following me, I try to retweet them like every week I'm involved in different groups um, and different forums or Facebook groups. And they'll share like, there's ones that are called like, I need a production assistant or yeah. there's writers groups, but I try to share, you know, they were looking for animators in Atlanta and I reposted that. Like, so there are so many freelancing gigs that you can pitch if you want I know someone that I they don't even live here and they they hit me up and and were like um they basically this was back when I had my DMs open and then people abused them but uh so I had to close them unfortunately but I used to answer people's questions and one of them was an an older guy I think and he was like do you think I'm too old to Right. And I was like, no, I think that you could, you know, you could freelance, you could pitch an article or something if that's what you're trying to get into is like nerd writing or hosting or whatever. And he did. He wrote me back and was like, I got um, I have articles now up at Nerdist. Thank you. Like I just pitched them. I pitched them a couple of ideas of articles I wanted to write. And there's so many sites like that. There's so many nerd sites specifically that are constantly looking for reviewers or your take on, you know, if Mad Max should have another reboot or if this and that, like there's so many of those. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, just know what your in- in- industry needs. If you want to do nerd work, like just writing articles and stuff like that, then yeah, you can, you can probably do that from where you are. Now, if you're trying to go down the path of comedy or, or acting and, and writing like that, they, they all take different life. acting. You definitely want to be close to where you're auditioning. That could be New York or LA, but I will say there's a lot you can do before you make that jump. Uh, they, but, and it's always going to be how you feel. And it's always going to be up to you because you will have a small start over when you move. That's what it is. Comedy. Same thing. You're going to, you're, you can start comedy in your town. If it has a comedy scene, go to open mics, try that out, get, get good. And when you finally feel ready, then that's when you make the move. Now, when it comes to like nerd hosting and stuff, there's so much you can do from home. Like oh, red, yeah. red letter media is not in LA. You know, yeah. there's so many, uh, our friend geekdom yeah. who has like hundreds of oh, stuff, yeah. like whatever he's in Florida. I think. Yeah. There's so, there's so many, things you can do when it comes to geeky hosting that you don't have to really move until you're ready or until a job is going to bring you out here. And that's what I, you know, the, the, the corny advice that you always hear whenever you are like, I want to be a comic uh, writer. I want to be a TV writer. I want to do, it's always like, then write. And that's kind of true because you're not going to get a job just from applying. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to see something. So make sure you do, all the stuff you need to do before you even worry about moving. Make sure you have it. And, you know, 
all our younger listeners, obviously, you can do little uh, cheat stuff like going to college in LA. <laughs> you know, I know, I know so many people who who uh, they're like, oh, I just went to college in LA and then got your foot started. And I was like, that is one way to do it, especially because you know uh, <laughs> that degree. You know, you can kind of get it anywhere, but I- definitely don't overextend yourself. It make your realistic plan. Don't think you're gonna come out here and don't a lot of the biggest trap I think a lot of people fall into with LA is they're like, I'm gonna save up this money and I'm gonna come to LA and don't get a job and grind until I book the big thing that will start paying the bills. No, that's not gonna work. The reason is the this industry, the freelancer life and acting and writing comes with ebbs and flows until you're like a, a named working actor or writer. You you write for a certain amount of re- weeks, you're off the job, and then you're just waiting for another one. It, it has its own ebb and flow. So you come here with a job and grind while you work, and then let, like, basically the rule I always had when I had my wake-up call, because just so you know how it happened for me, I had a full-time job. I was working with the L.A. County Register Recorder, and that movie that I talked about with Timothy Chalamet, I had spinners, and and then I was going to New York for uh, for um, UCB, uh, where I was. We were doing the Del Close Marathon, and and I I thought I had it. I booked this short film. It was shooting for a week, and at the time I was already on the outs with my job because I called in sick so much for auditions that they're like they I already was suspended, and they're like we're gonna have to fire you. So I was like I have to quit this job, and I I was like oh well you know I got this short film. I got, you know, and then I'm, 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 I'm doing well in UCB. I'm about to go to New York and perform out there. I, I, it's, oh, it's it. I'm about to be working. And I quit the job. I got my likes, a little bit of severance, flew to New York, shot that, came back, shot the short, came back and literally didn't book anything maybe for maybe another few months, maybe even a year. And then I finally got real, got a job at the improv and that, that that was the best thing ever because I met so many comics and then I started doing other part-time stuff, worked for Press Juicery, then the Geek and Sundry stuff started uh, taking off and then shortly, uh, I think, while I was doing Geek and Sundry, I was, Geek and Sundry was kind of getting to the place where I was able to do it, almost able to do it full-time, but before all that happened, I booked uh, At Midnight and I was a working writer. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about etiquette, hmm. the do's and don'ts. Yeah. When we get back. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. I wanted to say something before we moved on, and that is (laughs) um, one of the biggest things I can say is Hitting up writers and showrunners unsolicited with your scripts, in my opinion, is a big no-no. And in Gloria Calderon-Colette, who's a showrunner for One Day at a Time, she's written on a bunch of shows. She's fabulous. She's amazing. If you don't follow her, follow her because she tweets threads every week for actors and writers of do's and don'ts. And they're super helpful. But she had a an etiquette thread about not sending unsolicited scripts um, that people argued with her about, which is insane because she's literally above them saying, don't do this. But before we get totally into that, I I wanted to say too that I um, when I first moved here, the first ever job that I had, same with what Ify was saying was struggling, the first ever job I had was at the Ice House Comedy Club in Pasadena. And I got that job by looking at Craigslist. It was the first week I moved to L.A. Don't be like me. I moved and I didn't have a job. It was j- literally just what Ify was explaining. I had only a tiny bit of money saved up. That money goes really quickly. I thought for sure I could um, be a, a waitress or a bartender, you know, whatever. Like this, that's really easy where I was to get those jobs. That is not easy to get those jobs here. Everybody wants those jobs. It, it, this city is packed to the brim. And um, everybody wants to be a waitress because you can take off when you, you know, you can have your um, nights free to to perform if you're trying to do stand up or your days free if you're auditioning as an actor. I mean, I, I it was so hard for me to find anything. I found a Craigslist ad for to work the door at the Ice House Comedy Club and I drove my resume like 45 minutes to get to Pasadena and hand them my resume because I knew if I just applied online that I would be just a nameless, faceless person. Um, And in fact, they had 200 people, I think, that had applied because, again, so many, even to work the door, people just want jobs and especially in entertainment in some way. Um, so, So I showed up, I gave them my resume and I got that job. And then I also worked as a nanny. So I was doing that um, for about a year or two when I first moved out here. I barely had time to write, but when I did have time, it was when I got done nannying, I would, well, actually when I got done nannying, I would then drive to Pasadena and work the ice house. So I was working my butt off. Um, Etiquette, etiquette. Um, 
I would s- give <laughs> I your, some... here's, wait, I, I do want to say, so about who will read your scripts then? There are countless, countless fellowship programs. You can go to the WGA website and there are countless programs that you can submit your sc- your screenplay, your pilot, your play, your teleplay. You can submit. Some of them you will get feedback. Some of them, like they actually have readers that will give you feedback. I made it to the final round this year of um, the Diverse Voices screenplay. Um, they, you know, people were giving me notes on my thing, but I made it. It was really cool. It was really cool that I made it to uh, of we we screenplay. I made it to the final round um, for a pilot that I wrote. So. When you're like, oh, I'm going to hit up Danny and ask her, don't hit up strangers because it's rude. It's rude. Um, I wanted to say with our podcast, too, something that I've noticed when we post an episode is someone will be like, you guys talked about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Here's our episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Don't do that. That is the weirdest thing to take the following and the people that we, our fans or our followers, and then try to capitalize it. I don't do that to you. Like that is so weird to me to see people do that to try and take our I think it's I think it's rude. You don't yeah. we don't do that in our community. Don't do that. That is a no-no. That is a taboo unless you want me to start stealing your people. But what I'm saying is that's just that's rude. That's on our page. That's so weird. Yeah, no. That's the and that's something that even goes into not even just with podcasts. I've seen that, you know, done on our stuff, but also just even on Twitch there's there's been there was like someone who came in and was like uh who, who like tried to be like oh this guy's streaming this on on the channel like that never works i promise you no one in anyone's community is going to mess with that you know no one no one's gonna come to you if anything that's gonna make people like you less and open yourself up if some people have the time of day to trolling so don't like just don't test that um you know, if 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 you're just so, because I know some people are like, but you know, some people say you 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 need to talk to the the showrunners and all this stuff. Here's the thing: is like you if you if you if it's burning you up inside that you want to get your your work in front of it, then you need to start a correspondence with them. Do not say introduce yourself, hey, this this that, and attach your screenplay. You need to introduce yourself, see if they're open to correspondence, because you sometimes you you might find a showrunner who is like, hey, what's up? I, I do have the time of day or, you know, tell them about yourself. Maybe there's something about you because, you know, like I like if someone like, for example, you might be like, hey, I'm a Nigerian woman who, uh, you know, is trying to get it in, you know, trying to trying to make their way in it yada 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 then like yeah you know if there's a connection there i i'm this is not an invite for nigerian women to uh send me scripts uh not not because i don't want to read it i just literally right now don't have time right now is going to be like the busiest time anyway for a lot of uh just for any writers like it's it's ramping up into uh staffing season so lots of lots of showrunners and writers are already reading their friends scripts right now so it's kind of hard to be on the back burner uh but you know when you do send a script if someone does allow you because sometimes there will be people who's like i want to send scripts i think definitely first send it to your friends uh you want to make sure your your script is pretty 
great before you send it to someone of power and authority because this is your introduction to them this is like if, if for example if for a any reason a showrunner was to read your script you got to know that this is your their first impression and of your, your one chance <laughs> yeah if they read it and, it and they're just not interested they're probably not going to read the next draft and the next also consider that too if someone is going to read your stuff send it to them and if they get back to you they get back to you don't check up every week every the people are busy and and i promise you checking up weekly isn't going to Get them to read it faster because if they're too busy to do it, having someone bug them to read it is not going to make them rush to do it. And if your friends aren't writers, join forums and just ask. You don't have to ask someone specifically. You don't have to write a famous writer specifically. You can join a forum or one of those Facebook groups. There's a and- gigantic, sorry to cut you off, but there's a gigantic LATV writers group that, I mean, there, there are going to people be people who want to read uh, on there who you can check. Or there's like services now. You have the blacklist. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you can just ask, hey, um, I have this script that's about this. Would anyone want to read it? That is what I would do. If you need eyes on your script and you want feedback, instead of write, instead of writing someone that who doesn't know you, again, you're a stranger approaching them. Just openly post, oh, I would love for someone to read my script if, if anyone. That way, the people that want to will volunteer to. Um, and a lot of those people do want to read scripts. I think sometimes also just to see what's what's going around out there. So, um, yeah, but I would say don't cold. In yeah. my opinion, you want – that's why it's so great to have a community to have a community of other people find other people who are at your level. So if he and I started at the same time, we're in the what's considered the same comedy class, your comedy or your writing class or whatever, those are people that are coming up at the same time as you. So people that you have heard on our podcast, like Danielle Radford, Hector Navarro, we all started, we were all no one at the same time. It was great. <laughs> and we all started to come up at the same time. So it's really important to develop your community in and if you're like, oh, I live in, you know, this podunk town and I don't have a community, that is why the internet exists. Because I was one of those people in in chat rooms, in forums when I was in middle school, probably shouldn't have been. But um, I loved writing fan fiction. I love talking with other middle schoolers who might have possibly be grown men. But um, <laughs> when I was in middle, like, but I had this, you know, community of people that were into anime and fan fiction and we would trade that. So there are forums out there for you to get your writing out. Or again, if you're making a podcast, if you're making a short, that's another thing. Just go out and make it. Do you know how many films that in the last couple of years have been made t- entirely on iPhones. People are trying, filmmakers are trying to make a statement. You don't have to have a bunch of equipment. You can write a four minute sketch. The example I always bring up is um, David F. Sandberg, who you got, who is directing Shazam. He's directing Shazam. He made less than three minutes. His short lights out was two and a half minutes. That went completely viral. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. Um, if you're not into scary stuff, like if he's not into scary stuff, don't yeah, watch it. I was just about to give that disclaimer. It was great. It's so good. He shot it himself. He used his wife. It's only two and a half minutes. It's terrifying. It went viral. He got to make the film lights out. He got to do, he worked on what, Annabelle? Creation, Conjuring. So, Make your sketch, make your short, make your whatever, get your iPhone, get your get your friends, 
you know, if you're like, my friends can't act, look on forums, cast people, bring them in, bring people in your town and you might have to drive 45 minutes or whatever to get to where you are, to get to, you know, where other people are. But there are communities out there for you. And again, because the internet exists, you can um, submit your scripts to the blacklist. You can submit your scripts to fellowships. You can get people to read it. Um, yeah. That is my rant. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I will say this industry has many reasons it's hard. I mean, some of the ones that we've we've already mentioned, but the one that I think also that is worth mentioning is yes, this is a a dreamers industry. In in where you are in life, your community, you might talk about this, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, really? Oh, so how are you gonna do it? So what?" I've heard that. When I when I had my full time job, people were mocking me for wanting to do this. You just you just have to push through. If you really want it, you got to go out and get it. And you know, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna just say it because this is kind of my mantra and what kind of made me finally make the jump. And if this helps someone, uh, someone else makes the jump, uh, I'd be happy. I got into this industry because I would rather try it and fail than to live my whole life wondering what would have happened if I actually tried. So just remember that when you're on the fence, because at the end of the day, you can always, there you're, you're never too old for anything. You can always go back to getting a full-time job, especially, you know, if you graduate and have a degree, you know, uh, you, you can, you can always find, you know, go back into your old industry, but why do that? Why, why there's so, I know so many people who are just straight up dog miserable because they're just doing something because it's convenient. So just take the jump, but yeah. do it safely. Yeah. Because, um, uh, my friend, Sarah Benacosta, she has a book out that's called real artists have day jobs. And I think that that might be really helpful for people who, want to pursue a creative life, but need to keep their day job a hundred percent. Um, you know, we, like if he and I were saying, we worked other jobs, he was, uh, uh, you know, working in clerical and I was working as a nanny, um, and working the door. So you can pursue these things. I think we just wanted people to know that we all, we were in the trenches. We were in the trenches together. Um, I can't speak for Iffy, but I was dirt poor. I was like dangerously poor, uh, which I don't recommend. <laughs> When you're so poor, like you can't afford like your medicine and your and food, I would eat like cans of tuna, which is funny because I think Gloria Calderon Colette, who's now one of my friends, um, that showrunner that I was talking about, she I think posted that she used to eat like cans of tuna because that was all she could afford. So we've definitely been in the trenches to get to where we are. And I know when you see on social media, it's like, oh, they're doing so much. But we started from nothing. It is really important to have a community and have friends who are going to be there for you. Um, so if you can't find them personally, hopefully you can find them online. That is where a lot of our friendships have come from is online and from these communities. Whatever you're most passionate about, that's the easiest thing. And that's why our first podcast together was about DBZ because it was easy for us to talk about. That was an easy thing. And uh so we started our podcast without having any, again, any sponsorship, any studio, any anything. We built it up, and then Zach at Hyper invited us to do our podcast like live on his Twitch channel. 
at Hyper RPG. And from that, we had really great chemistry that when How Stuff Works was trying to open up their LA division, Jack O'Brien, who knew both of us, he knew Iffy and I both from writing and comedy, hit us up and were like, yeah, you two are so good together. Do you want to do do you want to do a show here? Maybe not about anime. Can you make it more about <laughs> something broader for us? Yeah, and then I found Jack by his car and I held, a, held him at gunpoint. No, like, if he... give me and Danny this show or you're going to have to go. Oh, I want to say one more thing. My first Comic-Con, I slept in my car. I want as My first Comic-Con um, when I was working it, I couldn't afford a hotel. They're so expensive. I got changed in my car and I, I um, told the Marriott I was staying there so that they would keep my my luggage at like behind their desk. Uh, and my friends who did have a room would let me shower in their shower. Um, but I slept in my car. And then I think the second year I slept on the floor of somebody's place. And Ify and I have slept on the floor of people's places many times. And now we're here. So yeah. we started from... The actual, the bottom. We started yep. from the floor. <laughs> no, started from the floor. Now we're to here. Skybound paid for rooms. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got Disney this year, so. Um, all right, that was a subtle flex. But no, I, think we I didn't. Earned mean- <laughs> it. I think we earned it at this point. Uh, so, what do you want to tell people about Danny? Oh man, that wasn't even my whole life. I was on. I was on Culture Kings last week. And if you want to hear more about the struggles that I've been through. Um, the struggle. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things people don't know about me. I'm obviously divorced from that guy that I was with and just did so much. Like when I think of when I think of my life, of everything that I it took to get even here. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, what do I want people to know? We love you. If and I are also hustling. I mean, if you see us, we're working like so many different jobs. We have families. We have like different things that we that we have to do so we do love everyone we want everyone to you know do well we might not be able to answer everyone's questions just because we ourselves are auditioning we ourselves are submitting packets and and submitting scripts and getting rejected and rejected and rejected and then one you know maybe we hear a yes here or a yes there and that keeps us going but I just want everyone to know that we do love you a lot and just because we can't read anything right now doesn't mean that we're not rooting for you Yes, I, I I actually like that a lot. That is very true. I plus one that statement to the max. Uh, yeah, and I, I I think the one last thing I'd want you to do before you do anything is to really uh, think about what you want to do, why you want to do it, and if it's if and that that'll get you a long way. If you want to get into this life because you truly are passionate about it. I mean, me, I could not work a desk job. I just couldn't. I was getting in trouble literally every day from going around and talking to people because that's what I like to do. I like to talk. I like to make people laugh. So then I made it my job. Uh, there, there was no other option for me. Uh, if if you were doing this because, you know, you want the perks or you want, you know, I guess I say the perks because that is the perks. Like sometimes you're famous. Sometimes you get lots of followers. Sometimes you get to go to cool events don't like the perks are a bonus but it really is only worth it if you truly because the perks are so few and far between and it is a grind it is a lot and it may seem like like lots of times you know you think one thing's gonna make everything better but it's just like 
it really is like uh puff daddy and biggie said mo money mo problems uh just consider that that it is a grind it isn't like you know you are always grinding you don't have the same stability you know you can be like if you look at you know some of these shows that got canceled you know if you if you were writing on a show, see you got a season two, you're like, here we go. And then at the end of season two, it's canceled. That's all that stability that you thought was coming. Or like you work a show for a year and you don't get brought back home for the next season. Uh, there's even in pilots there. If you pay attention closely to pilots, there are some people who are in a pilot and then they get recast when it goes to series. So you book this pilot. You're like, oh, I got a TV show. I'm on. And then the TV show gets picked up, but you don't. So it's a lot of, it It really is a lot of letdowns. But when you're really passionate about it, the wins are just so good. It's worth it. With that note, make sure you uh, go to my Twitch. It's uh, <laughs> twitch.tv slash FDs. If you, if you are an Amazon Prime member, you can connect it with your Twitch and you can give me a free sub. A, few, a lot of y'all have been coming in and doing that. A lot of y'all are active in the Discord. The Discord is popping. I, I can't, I cannot be more hyped, proud, and excited about my community. When I go in, when I was writing in the room and I couldn't you know, stream in the day and I would see everyone just having a conversation amongst themselves having a gaming amongst themselves. That's what I want to build. It's more about like, it's it's less about a place for people who are fans of me and Danny or fans of my stream to hang out. It's more of like-minded individuals to find their people online. And, you know, I love, you know, I love the amount of, you know, just there's it's just well-rounded so represented we have lgbtq people in, in in the discord we have you know black people people of all races and i like that that's there because you know not throwing shade to anyone but i've been in some people's communities some people's discord and it's just a whole bunch of white dudes and then you know i like the diversity in mine i like you know they're you know they're, they're look in my discord there are people who are racially ethnically sexuality wise gender and even politically diverse and that's that's wild to me because i was like you know this is left-leaning discord and they're like well you know i'm open-minded i was like all right uh the basic rules of the discord as long as you respect people use the proper pronouns treat everyone with love and respect you can hang haters douchebags you get kicked uh, but yeah, definitely go to my Twitch, <laughs> drop that, <laughs> drop that, uh, drop that free sub there. Uh, if, if you waddy way on Twitter and Instagram, that's I F Y N W A D I W E. As far as shows go, I got some shows creeping up. Also, I got my older brother's bachelor party that I still need to be planning. That's supposed to be on the 23rd. I still got time. That's a really um, random thing to include. In yeah. It. It's been, it's been haunting me as, as someone as just a, scatterbrained as me trying to plan a whole it's just rough um but yeah no it's uh yeah no shows coming up uh yet until the end of the month and i'll just save it to a podcast closer to that um but yeah just uh stick stay tuned to the to the insta and then you'll you in insta uh, we have a uh, lots of stuff going on 
Um, I am at Ms. Danny Fernandez, and I will be at WonderCon. I have a panel on Friday and Saturday. So if you follow me on Twitter, I will be posting about those where you can catch me. So the WGA website, you can type in fellowship, and it gives a list of writing programs. Some of them are looking for a diverse candidates. Some of them aren't. Um, it will say that on there, and it's just a full list. I'm looking at the Fox Writers Lab, NBC Writers on the Verge. They have Sundance, Episodic Story Lab. I mean, y'all, you can submit from anywhere. Wherever you live, you can submit to these. Some some of them will give you, like I said, some of the ones that I applied for give you feedback on your scripts. You can make it to, if you make it to the final round and you get in it, I mean, great. Some of them you have cash prizes that they'll give you so that you can get your script funded. Really do your research, though. If this is a community that you want to be a part of, I mean, the internet is so vast. We can't answer all of your questions. You know, showrunners don't always have time to answer all your questions online. So definitely do your homework. Like, you know, start looking into it of places of how can I submit my comic that I made? How can I submit my short, you know, the short film that I want to do? Um, Because the information is out there. That is all I have. And as we say every episode, stay nerdy. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash slash iHeart.